listeners, we are part of Adelphi's finest social work cohort, also known as Adelphi Students for Change. My name is Melissa. Hi, everyone. My name is Sayina Sanchez. I'm Lauren. Hi, I'm Kevin. My name is Rini. Hi, and I'm Professor Peggy Noel. So before we get into this discussion, I'd like to highlight the awesome women of Students for Change who participated in women's power and leadership in the face of social justice event. We were moderators and moderated the panelists' questions. So um, we had Lauren, Mona, Victoria, Rini, Saina, Peggy, and myself, Melissa. So I just wanted to give us a shout out and say thank you to everyone who participated in Powering Women for Women's History Month. Okay, so let's get into this discussion. So homelessness is lacking stable and appropriate housing. People can be categorized as homeless if they are living on the streets, moving between temporary shelters, including houses of friends, family, and emergency accommodation, living in private boarding houses without a private bathroom or security of tenure. Now, I find it odd that they don't consider people to be homeless if they are living in their cars. And I just want to hear you guys' perspective on, you know, your view, if you would consider or deem that as, you know, being homeless. Yes. I definitely say that be that's considered um, homeless. Um, if you don't have, this is my thing, if you don't have a stable address, which is what they ask for when you, for so many different reasons, a stable address, you don't have some place you can lay your head, wash, do all those things you should be able to do at a, at, in a home. I, I think that's not, that's, that's homeless. And I mean, I think, I don't know, my mother, I have to, this, let me just tell you this real quick. My mother took in a young lady um, that was, um, I would say homeless, but because she had um, different people that would take her in, well, I guess they would call that house hopping, or she was some, able to stay somewhere. And she was under the um, adult care at the time. She, because she was living in different places, somebody would take her in for six months, might take her in for three months, they consider her not homeless still. And um, she actually would, would stay in those places and would stay in like abandoned buildings. She actually passed away in an abandoned building that caught fire. Now, how was she not taken care of as a homeless person? That it's something that's really, it just bothers me. Homeless is if you do not have a place that is consistent. That's how I see it. So being in a, in a, just because you constantly have a car that you can move around to, that's not a consistent home life. That's not consistent. That's not consistent. So I'm with you. I don't think that, I think that should be deemed homeless. Right. I agree with you. I think, and too, like, that's what I think the definition is. Like, that's how I would define homelessness as well. But, um, we discussed this in a class once that just because we think someone is homeless, that doesn't mean that individual considers themselves homeless. Like to some people they may mm-hmm. consider like, you know, the bridge that they live under or like the blanket that they sleep on is their home and, and they might not deem themselves to be homeless, even though technically they're not physically living in what is determined to be like an actual home, like a house. Yes. Just like Mona was saying about like you need an address, even when you go um, to apply for certain resources, SNAP or um, you know whatever other benefits, social services, 
um, offer, you need, you need an address. You need an address to be able to put on the application. So, um, you know, so it's like you're in need, but you can't get the resources because mm -hmm. you don't have an address. Yep. Where they can, or, or, or a contact, you know, a, a telephone number where they can contact, you know, directly contact you. So, I mean, that's like a, that's like a, 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 a cycle that I would wonder how, how would someone even get out of that? They don't have a contact number to be reached to get the resource. They don't have an address to get any uh, mail, you know. I was reading, according to uh, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, 17 out of 10,000 people in the United States are experiencing homelessness. So that's a little over half a million people, 567,715 to be exact. I know that trying to get adequate medical care is a huge problem for that same reason too. It's, you may not have a phone, you don't have an address um, and transportation is a really difficult thing for a lot of homeless people as well, trying to arrange transportation. A lot of um, doctor's offices have a policy that if you're over a certain amount of time late um, or if you miss a certain number of appointments that they won't see you anymore, which can be really difficult if someone is reliant on other people for rides or on public transportation as well. I know we were, you know, um, we have an upcoming event talking about um, incarceration. Um, that's another vulnerable pop population, uh, a newly re released uh, inmate. If they come fresh out of jail, you know, and they don't have anyone to come home to, what happens? Yeah, know? nine times out of ten, they're placed in shelter. You know. Yeah, that's the that's the transitional housing. You know, transitional housing like the halfway house. But after that time is up, they have to leave, and especially now, especially now with the pandemic, they are actually pushing them out sooner. Um, because of the overcrowding and they, and they, and they reach capacity way quicker than they, than they have before. So they're actually pushing them out sooner. Um, to where? To get in trouble again? Where, like where? Well, let's just hope that they're actually getting housed, you know, at this time. And that yeah, we can once they're in the shelter, you know, let them just develop a budget, you know, to where the individual can safely transition into society, you know, setting up a budget plan is very important once you're in shelter. So that's why they give them at least six months to a year, um, basically off their independent living plan to, you know, set some goals for like employment, uh, whether that be education as well. You might want to get your GED uh, in order to uh, apply for a job that requires for you to have a GED or a high school diploma. So they kind of set you up but then you have to also want it, you know? So a lot of times these opportunities are given to people like shelter for homelessness and house, um, uh, what did I say? Uh, rehabilitation programs for inc formerly incarcerated individuals, but they have to want the help and they have to want to strive, you know, for those services that are given to them. So we can provide these services all day long, but they have to want it. And we have to also encourage them and motivate them to want to change. I see many people every day at 7-Eleven outside, you know, who are homeless. They ask me some time for change and I give it to them. But do I feel like they deserve it all the time? No, because they had the same opportunities I had, you know, but then also 
some suffer from mental illnesses, but I don't. So I can't say that I understand exactly where they're coming from or where they're paying or what, you know, how they got in that predicament. But I can say that sometimes I'll say, why don't you just go to the shelter, you know? Then they'll say, I'm not interested. I don't want to go. You don't tell me what I need to go, you know? And I'm just like, I'm just trying to give you a helping hand, you know, where you can get food, you know, you'll be warm and you feel wanted, at least, I mean, for a good hot second, you know? It sounds good, but everybody, ha you know, everybody has their own. Uh, okay, I'm going to give you an example. What if an individual um, has some type of, um, some type of um, mental disorder where they, you know, antisocial or something where they, you know, don't like being around people or mm -hmm. they maybe have, you know, paranoia about being, being around um, large, large crowds or whatever, a, you know, a homeless shelter. And I'm just, I'm just putting it out there. A homeless shelter would, would send them over the edge. Would you want that kind of person? And, you know, would you suggest that that type of person would go to a homeless shelter? I mean, I really don't suggest it, but now in New York City in the shelters, they don't separate you know, the individuals who have mental illness, they put everybody together, you know, yeah. in one population. So I yeah. know from experience that they don't separate you. I mean, they want everyone to feel included. However, yeah. um, there's many barriers to ending in homelessness, which is sad to say, and it's been an ongoing issue for many, many years. It is. And just like we said, with, the, with, with, with documents, I mean, driver's license, birth certificate, those, those are, those right there are barriers in itself, um, to get any type of benefit. Those are what they, you know, they ask for first. I know you guys mentioned about the addresses. Addresses are really important too, because when you enter the shelter upon your intake, even before getting the intake done, you basically have to present your living history. So it doesn't matter if you stayed at your own house for six months and then you went to your dad's house they want documentation or a letter showing that you stayed with this person from january to june from the dates listed and you know this person provided meals for you or you know you provided your own meals and then it doesn't matter if you stayed at 19 different places they want 19 letters in order for wow. you to get in shelter services yes in order for you to get 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 help from us or, or to get into the shelters in order to get into the shelter you have to oh, have wow. a presidential living history of where you wow. live for the last uh year two years three years because people move around you wouldn't believe some people change their housing every week or two every two weeks you know um i was also reading that homelessness is um significantly divided by gender like there's more males that are homeless than females and i actually assumed that it was because um women with children, you know, usually have access to more resources. And then when I did look into it, um, that was, that was part of it. That was, that was part of it. Like, you know, even affordable housing, a single, a single man would be less likely to get into affordable housing, um, over a woman with child, you know? Yes, absolutely. You're right. You have to remember that if you have been incarcerated, which again, we are going to have that event on mass incarceration, you may not be allowed to stay in the low income houses like the housing developments or any low income homes because 
they automatically peg you as someone who has had criminal activity and the likelihood of you repeating um, criminal activity is higher than not. So that's probably another reason why as well. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Sexual orientation also affects homelessness. I specifically looked at like among youth, um, but one in 30 homeless youth are lesbian, gay, or bisexual. And even though they make up only two to 7% of the population and uh, trans youth have, are disproportionately affected as well. And what about now that we're, you know, like we mentioned before about now that this is our new reality of the pandemic, um, they are especially vulnerable to uh, COVID. I, I recently volunteered um, at one of the, it's not even a homeless shelter, it's actually called a warming station, where during the winter months they allow the, um, they allow anyone um, to come to come and stay for the night, just you know, you know, just to avoid them being out in the cold. They said the they said that particular foundation was um, started because some someone actually died. Um, someone actually they found someone dead behind a local supermarket here in Middletown um, on a very cold night when the temperatures were like um, under below below freezing temperatures. So anyway, this is something that they started within like the last the last few years. Um, it's called the warming station here located in Middletown, New York. And I volunteered there for one night. And within just a few days of, of, of my volunteer service, I was already receiving an email saying that if you volunteered within such and such time frame, you might have been a, a exposed to uh, COVID-19. And we're allowing you to come get um, testing during such and such hours. I mean, and it scared me because I just was like, wow, you know, here, I'm trying to, you know, you know, give my service and, you know, so just me volunteering one day had me susceptible to COVID. These are people who have no choice but to live, come and, 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 and stay at that, you know, at a place. And mind you, they are sanitizing these places regularly. I was part of the, part of the crew that had to sanitize sanitize the entire place, but still, still, it's still, it's still, you know, vulnerable to. And yeah, going back to what Rini said too, about the access to healthcare and transportation, like, are they having COVID testing done at the shelters? Like, what are they doing? What are the shelters doing in terms of like COVID? And like, especially like you said, that people are being exposed, you know, like probably like every day, like, are they bringing the test to them or do they have to go get tests like what if they can't even you know make it to the I don't testing think that they're doing testing i think they do the temperature reads just how you you know the the regular temperature reads maybe the few questions have you been exposed or whatever and you're walking through the door as far as my 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 uh, minimal experience that i've had which puts everyone at risk staff everyone so I mean you have to just continue to get tested or get that or get vaccinated because um, at this point you know what are we going to do when a majority of the United States is already um, vaccinated you can't force and you can't force um, 
an adult to get vaccinated, you know, and, and this is pertaining to the homeless, homeless uh, population. Are we, uh, are we supposed to drag them off the street to get vaccinated? Um, and how can we, you know, how do we even keep, keep record of who was vaccinated if, you know, if they were, if they don't have any medical, you know, they don't have a, um, you know, consistent medical, medical care or medical file on them. Or then they obviously like don't have access to computers because I know when I went to go, you know, make my appointments, like everything was online, everything you had to call and make an appointment. Like, you know, like they might not have access to a place close to them where they can go make an appointment in person. Yeah, I was going to say getting an appointment is hard enough for people who have computers in their homes or who have phones. For someone who's homeless, it might be nearly impossible. Um, I did research on uh, another population of the homeless, and I, I guess I have a uh, weak spot for the homeless in the rural area. I grew up mostly in the rural area, and you know that's usually considered what they call the hidden homeless. Um, they say that makes up seven, only seven percent, but that seven percent is is still very uh, important and it's significant for the people in that rural area to them. Um, it's, I was uh, doing some research and on the homeless in the rural area, it says that uh, many live in places, um, you know, many live in places we don't see because it's in the homeless in the countries and very rural areas, you really won't even notice that there's a lot of homeless. But the homeless are usually in sleeping in the woods, campgrounds, uh, abandoned farm buildings, places that um, really unintended for people to stay. Sienna had said before, um, Sienna had said, I'm sorry, Sienna. Sienna had said before, you know, when there's times where you see homeless that are out at the 7-Eleven uh, or you see them on the streets, but this is the thing, and this is why they're considered the hidden homeless. You don't see the rural homeless. There is no corner stores or um, streets they're walking. There, there aren't even sidewalks in a lot of the rural areas. So you don't, so that's the main reason why they're considered the hidden homeless. Um, one of the things I noticed about the hidden homeless is, and what makes it so hard for them is because it's such a spread out area, the geographic location is so spread out. It's very rare that you'll find soup kitchens and um, the resources they need as if like you would if you were in the inner city area. So um, yeah, that, that's just a place that, I have a heart for the um, the rural homeless. Like I said, I lived, I grew up a lot of my growing up was in the rural areas, and I think the rural area gets kind of sidetracked as far as homeless because as far as the homeless, I think they think that people think that oh, it's mostly people that are not black, people that are um, probably have it better because they're in the suburbs, quote unquote. But it's actually um, it's harder out there because the resources are just so limited. You know, so like I said, they're forgotten. So have any of you ever experienced, um, have any of you ever experienced homelessness yourself or close to it? Um, and this is only me just throwing it out there since, since they say that uh, roughly one out of three New Yorkers are like one paycheck away from homelessness. Have you ever felt scared to the point of, of almost homelessness or being foreclosed on your hat like have you ever experienced anything like that um not as like you know as bad as other people have but my dad for a while he couldn't afford to um live in our home anymore so we had to sell it 
and he was living in a hotel for a while. So we were, me and my brother were little, we used to go and visit him. Um, you know, my parents were divorced. So we used to go and do visitation at a super eight motel because wow. he couldn't afford his, um, the home that he lived in. You know, some, I have to say something, Lauren, because funny, Lauren brought up, you know, her dad is living in a, in, a mot- in, a, in a hotel at one point. But it's that's another population. That's another thing that I don't think people realize. I We work, we do a lot of work with the people in the motels and they don't actually have like a home home. But the funny thing is a lot of them could afford a home home. Like a lot of them could afford their own property, their own home. But because of the way the housing market is and, you know, all the stipulations with credit and everything you need, that kind of keeps a lot of people homeless. Like I know a lot of people down on the, in the motels we do work with and they're, they're bringing home a substantial amount of money, but they can't afford to buy a home or get an apartment that's decent in a decent area. So they live in motels and hotels. And, you know, to me, that's still considered home. That's still considered homeless. Absolutely. It's just because the hotel doesn't require a, a, a month security deposit, a down payment, uh, you know, doesn't require that, uh, that additional, you could just, you know, pay, I guess, by the week. Yep. So, so there's a lot of work to be done with that. I mean, there's a lot of work to be done with the homeless population that we as social workers need to like really, you know, look at housing quality, um, the, the uh, repairs and maintenances that are, that, uh, uh, landlords are looking for asking for helping them get resources so that they can give quality housing. Um, just a lot of just working on the economic structure and the housing and the housing and on the homeless would be a big step for social workers to really like push. So, okay, so I want to give out some hotline numbers. If you know anyone who is experiencing homelessness or on the verge to homelessness, may you please consider giving them the following numbers. Uh, we have a eviction prevention hotline number, which is 212-962-4795. This is by the Coalition of Homelessness in the state of New York. Then we also have the BRC Homeless Service Hotline. Their number is 212-533-5151. Okay, listeners, we are out of time, but please look for the email registration for our next event, where we'll be hosting a discussion entitled Mass Incarceration and Reintegration. That will be on April 20th. And of course, please stay tuned uh, next week as we engage in another interesting topic. Goodbye.